Hello, this is the Antichrist Empire Deconstruction Podcast with the Lady Victory. Once again, I have a distressing podcast today because once again, I'm going to be reviewing the vulgar rape fantasy, sex slave fantasy that has been put in the Bible by Greco-Roman philosophers forging fake scripture for Constantine. Ephesians 5 is particularly vulgar and despicable, but we're going to be reviewing that. People think that this is scripture. They think it's the word of God, but they have not really critically analyzed it, and they have not thought logically. Instead of thinking logically, they've, they've believed smack about Paul spinning things and deceiving them and calling things love as if, as if whatever he says is love really is love, as if whatever he says is how Christ loved the church. That's how this works. So he's very deceptive. I will give these Greco-Roman philosophers street cred for being genius, okay? They are experts at deception. So I will give them street cred. And they've earned their street cred because look at how many people they have deceived for thousands of years. Or, you know, whenever this was done, I, I, I know that it was canonized by Pope Damascus in 382 AD. You know, whether it, how long it existed truly before that, I can't say. But we're going to get into the vulgarity of it today. And so this is, this is sexual. So it's, it's going to be very profane and it is disturbing. I almost would warn people, trigger warning, trigger warning. This is that bad. And basically what Saul Paul does is the false foundation was generated in the Genesis 2 Luciferian parabolic fable that is just a Pandora myth that was improperly added into the Bible. And if you've been following my podcast, Genesis 1 is the true word of God. Genesis 2 contradicts Genesis 1 in every way, every way. There's no excuse for tolerating it. And it is a fully Gnostic Luciferian myth. There are many creation myths that have been generated. Um, Babylon, Rome, whoever is responsible for inserting Genesis 2 into the Bible simply retooled the old, the old Pandora myth for um, deception to be wrongfully added into the Bible, and it sets the, the precedence for all of this wickedness that is built upon it. And then Saul Paul all of his teaching is based solely on Genesis 2. Genesis 2-3 is one Gnostic Luciferian parabolic fable. Um, it's a creation and fall fable. It's written by the same one author. So the author of Genesis 2 is the author of Genesis 3. It's one story, Genesis 2-3. And then Genesis 1 is the true word of God. And Genesis 2-3 is fully contradictory to all truth. So we talked about how in Genesis 2, it is a sex slavery rape fantasy because the woman was created 
from man's rib, and she's just a body. She's bone of his bones and flesh of his flesh. She's not a human being. She's not a person. She's not a child of God. She has no spirit or soul of her own, and she does not even own her own body. The man acts like he's God, laying claim to woman as a thing he owns. This is this, he calls her, a thing. And so she's fully dehumanized, fully objectified. She's denied all autonomy, all boundary lines, all personhood. She has no power of consent. She is created as a sex slave rape victim. And that's Genesis 2. So when Saul Paul builds upon Genesis 2, he's teaching the same lies. He will portray woman consistently as a body object thing a man owns as his own body. And he will consistently deny her all human agency, all power of consent, all right of refusal. She is a chattel property slave and a rape victim in all of Paul's teaching. So what happens is that we're all human. And when you think this is scripture, um, you attribute to it a nobility it does not possess. Instead of critically analyzing what Paul himself says and being logical, just as you would be logical doing apologetics to examine something that was not scripture from your perspective as a Christian, um, that's what has to be done with Saul Paul. But instead of being objective and critically analyzing, because people are brainwashed into believing automatically that this is scripture and this is God talking, this is the Holy Spirit, they turn off their thinking ability and they go into a hypnosis and they're in a brainwashed state of mind and they listen to the emotion. They don't pay attention to the facts. They're not logical. Christians who are, or who are buffaloed by this. And they kind of mix, mix everything all together. And they, they don't analyze Paul as distinct from themselves. They're doing a codependent kind of a thing, thinking to themselves, well, this is how I interpret it. And this is how I live what Paul says. And I'm doing good. And I, I'm a good Christian. And I'm a loving person, so this has to be right. I'm doing this right, and this is a good thing. This is good. What I'm doing is good. So there's no objectivity. There's not logic. There's not critical analysis. There's not apologetics. And that's why when you turn all of that off, no matter how intelligent a Christian is, they'll miss the obvious, and they will be blinded as the Laodiceans are blinded, and the Lord tells them, listen, you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. You're not what you think you are. You're not where you think you are. You're, you're believing lies. You are all messed up. But they're like, no, I'm doing good. Everything's good. It's all good. It's, it's great. I'm, I'm doing good. I'm a, I'm a Bible-believing Christian, and I'm living for the Lord, and, and you know, I, I follow Paul. And the Lord is like, you are miserable. You are wretched. You are blind, poor, and naked. And they're like, no, I'm good. I'm good. And so that's the problem that you run into with all forms of brainwashing. And Christians are victims of brainwashing through this deception of this having been presented to us as scripture. We've been raised and taught all our lives that this is the Bible. It's the word of God. It's the inspired, infallible word of God. And 
So you've got culture, you've got tradition telling people that, the institutions, and the the writing on the cover of the book, Holy Bible. And so that's why Christians are very intelligent people, you know, yet they're deceived because that's how brainwashing works. They're, they were set up to be deceived. We've all been deceived. Every last one of us was told this is the Bible. Every last one of us believed it for a period of time. And most still do believe it. But we're going we're gonna to take the mask off of Saul Paul. He is a wolf. So I'm going to read this to you, this, this group of scripture from Ephesians 5, 23 through 33. So it's 10 verses. And then I'm going to start breaking it down for you and showing you how evil it is. And I'm going to show you that this is a sex slave, rape victim, pornographic fantasy from the devil. That's all it is. Okay. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother And shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So Christians are looking at this, and they're thinking from a shallow, superficial level well, they're thinking, well, that sounds good. I mean, because man is going to be like Christ. So he's going to be self-sacrificing and loving. He's going to be this hero. And then the wife, she's going to submit to him and everything as unto the Lord. And it's just going to all work out in this perfect parallel of the Lord's relationship with the church. And it's, it's just going to be perfect. I mean, it sounds wonderful, but it is anything but that. This is how the devil is extremely deceptive. And these Greco-Roman philosophers, they were, you know, inspired by the devil and they're genius. So they're experts at deception. You're not dealing with low-level deceivers here. You're not dealing with a forged writing that was written by amateurs. You are dealing with the most gifted, talented brilliant minds of the Greco-Roman philosophers. These are highly intelligent people. These are genius level. And when they move to deceive, 
nobody does it better. Nobody does the deception better than the Greco-Roman philosophers who wrote this stuff. So Christians need to, I think, step back, stop being so naive, gullible, and trusting. Stop thinking that, you know, nobody could deceive you. No, these people are master, masters of deception. You're dealing with genius here. You're not dealing with people where it's going to be easy to spot what liars they are. You know, they're, they're not going to, they, what they do, and you can read it, you can tell from Ephesians 5 that I just read there, they put in so much bull. They put in so much fluff. They were like spinning the, oh, Christ loves this, the church. <clears throat> they were spinning their smack, okay? They're, 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 they're throwing on the sugar. You know, they're seducing, they're deceiving, They are playing people, and they know just how to play people. These are people that are powerfully inspired by the devil, and he is a master deceiver. So let's look at Genesis 2 really quickly that Saul Paul is drawing all of this from. Genesis 2, 23, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. So woman is identified as a thing, not a person, not a human being, not a child of God. She is a thing. She is this, this thing. She's body object material that he owns as his own body. So she has no autonomy. She has nothing. She's a slave and she is a sex slave. As a sex slave, she has no power of consent, no personhood, and she is a rape victim. Um, Genesis 2.24, therefore, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. So the man is the person and she is his bodily appendage as a clone transhumanist object thing, a biological machine he owns and he fuels with his own will. She has no will of her own. So Saul Paul is stating that this is the original creation of perfection, that woman is a rape victim, sex slave, body object thing. She's not a person. She's not a human being. She's not a child of God. She has no spirit of her own. She has no soul of her own. She does not own her own body. And that is a woman's place. She's a thing. That's what Paul's going to teach you. She is a thing. And he's going to glamorize it and glorify it. And he's going to try to make it sound like love. It's love. Well, this is pornography. Okay, this is religious porn. And people are gullible. All right, so we start with wives. And understand, wives are identified to be body object things men own as their own bodies. Sex slaves. Okay, that is the definition. In Genesis 2, And I reviewed in prior podcasts the one flesh and coverture laws that codified this and legally defined women in this exact manner, that women are bodies, men own as men's bodies. They are not persons under the law. They are sex slaves and rape is the marital covenant of one flesh coverture. So if you didn't listen to those podcasts, please do. We're going to move forward because we're building line upon line. Precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. And I did review 
how they drew all these laws out of the Bible, out of Genesis 2, and out of male headship doctrine written by Paul. This is all ancient Romanism. I will go into that later. He's basically preaching Aristotelian philosophy and Roman law of sex slavery. That's all this is. There's, there's nothing from the God of Israel about this. This is all Paul and Rome. All right. So, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. What's the problem with that? Um, men are being made equal to God. And I went over in how 1 Corinthians eleven seven saw Paul taught the apostasy that men are God. He said men are the image and glory of God. The glory of God is the spirit of God. So he said all men are God in Christ in spiritual identity. So he's carrying that doctrine forward here and saying, women, it's, it's fully appropriate for you to look at your husband and go, hey, that's God. And Christians know better than to be so frank about it. They're deceived, and so it's subtle. So he says, as unto the Lord, as equal to the Lord. But somebody find me in the Old Testament where God says, hey, it's all right. You men out there, just name yourselves as equal to me. I'm good with that. Let's do it. Come on, just be be my equals, all you men. And then I'm going to have women relate to you as if you are my equals. So to you, to women, you're God. Hey, thumbs up. Let's do this. No, that's, that's not reality. That is Rome. But that's not the God of Israel. The God of Israel has given us the first commandment. He gave that first commandment to women, not just men. That first commandment is not to men, excluding women. Like God didn't say, you shall have no other gods before me, men, but you are gods to women. <laughs> that's not how it works. Okay, so that's the first problem that we have. And the problem that we have in this um, Ephesians 5.22 is that Paul is assigning women this role of submission. So that is also a contradiction to Genesis 1. Women were set in full dominion in the same equal dominion as men. The only peop- the only beings that were to be in a in a role of submission and subjugation were the animals. So what Paul is doing by sleight of hand is he's categorizing woman with the animals. He's rewriting Genesis 1, which Genesis 2 does, and he's saying Man was created in dominion over woman and the animals. That's what he's saying in Ephesians 5, um, 22. He's saying the role of women is equal to that of the animals in relation to men. So women are equal to animals. That is women's state of being. They're animals. And their role is submission to men, just the same as any other animal. Because that's where women are at. They're subhuman. They're animal beings. They're things. They're objects. They're this things. So let's move forward. Um, Ephesians 5.23. For the husband is the head of the wife. Okay. Well, he, he pulled that straight out of his hat. 
Um, that comes from Genesis 2, but it's a full contradiction to Genesis 1. And Genesis 1, male and female, were created at the same time from one word spoken. They both came bodily from the ground. They were both in dominion. The man was not the head of the woman. God spoke directly to male and female at the same time in Genesis 1. God did not speak only to the man in Genesis 1. There was no headship of man towards woman in Genesis 1. They were fully equal. God had a fully equal relationship with each one of them. So he spoke to both of them at the same time. And again, they were created from one word spoken. So you see the full equality of their dominion. You can't assign to man any greater dominion than woman because the dominion that was spoken in their very creation was the one same word of dominion. So they have the exact same dominion. So man cannot have any headship or dominion over woman whatsoever. So I can only make like little points because this is just a short podcast. I go into things in more detail in my books, but this will still be good. Um, It'll still be helpful. Okay, so he says, even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. So he's saying to the church, men, you're equal to Christ. That's your role. You're in the God role. And women, you're in the church role. So as Christ is the head of the church, men are the heads of women. Okay, so he's saying, women, you are the church of men. So I've got men in the God role. I've got women in the church role. So women aren't the church of of Paul's Christ. Women are the church of men. So when women are the church of men, what do churches do? They worship whoever is the head of them in, in this religion. And this is, this is not the Christian religion. This is the Roman religion. So a church worships its head. So women are worshiping men. Men have made, been made equal to God. And now women are worshiping men as men's church. So the role of women is to be the church of men, Paul is saying. Um, So this is full apostasy. This is a a completely different religion. This is not the authentic born-again faith. It's Gnosticism. And there are Gnostic people who are going to want to do this. They're just going to want to go along with it. There's many, many people who are going to take a tattoo of 666 on their forehead, okay? So just because people go along with this, it doesn't mean it's the truth. And he is the savior of the body. So I guess he's making men saviors of women. (laughs) And he does say in another scripture that women are saved by childbirth. So I guess when a man sticks his penis in a woman's vagina, that's her salvation. Because then he ejaculates and then the sperm travels. And when it um, fertilizes an egg, whoo, salvation, if it's a male child and she gives birth, that's her salvation. So he's he's the um, he's a phallic savior. His penis saves her. So this is a totally bale phallic fertility, um, heathen religion, because he does say that women are saved in childbirth, and he's saying that men are the savior of women's bodies. They're an allegory of the Lord in their role as men. So it's a sexual salvation. 
So it's a sexual salvation as long as she conceives, and I'm sure it's giving birth to a, a male child because what good is a woman? What good is a female? Females aren't anything in this religion. Females are bodily appendages of men. So he's kind of saying that, you know, the only thing good about a woman is she could give birth to a male child. Other than that, eh, nothing, nothing, no value, no value. It's just in childbirth that is a woman's value. <clears throat> and it's not really her value. It's the value of the male child. She's just, you know, that's where, that's where these minds come from, from ancient Rome. Because they deify men and they degrade women. And women only have a value for the services they provide to men as bodies. And so um, giving birth, um, you know, that's the false salvation that Saul Paul presents for women. That there's some form of, re you know, you, you kind of, I mean, the only way a woman could redeem herself kind of in a way, kind of iffy, is if she gives birth to a male child because, hey, the male child has value. So even though she has no value, the male child does. So that's kind of her iffy conditional salvation. And it's wrought by the penis of a man ejaculating within her so that she conceives. So his penis is her salvation. <laughs> I mean, that's what Paul teaches. It says, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. So there's no room for God in the life of a woman in this religion. Man is the God to woman. She has no direct access to God. She does not obey God. She obeys her husband. Her husband is in the God role. She is in the role of the church, and she is the church of the man who is her God and her Savior in this carnal, phallic worship, Baal religion. And so she, because she has to be subject in everything, she's a slave. So he is confirming the Genesis 2 sex slave doctrine. Um, the man is God, he's head, he's savior, and she is the, his church, and she's subject to him in everything. There's not any room, there's no wiggle room in everything. Everything means everything. So there's no wiggle room for her to say to her husband, well, I don't agree with that. Because according to Saul Paul, she does not have that right. He said everything. He, you know, Christians will try to say, well, that doesn't really mean that. Well, then throw it out. It's not the word of God. Because that's what he said. He said in everything. He said that wives are subject to their husbands in everything. And men are equal to God to, to their wives. So this is what Saul Paul is teaching. Saul Paul isn't teaching what people want to practice. Um, Saul Paul is teaching what he's teaching, and what he said was everything. So he is saying that a woman does not have any direct personal relationship with God. Her relationship is with her husband, and he is God to her. And that's why she's subject to him in everything as as unto the Lord, equal to God, her God. The man is her God, and he's the God head of the woman. So he's making men God, and he's making women slaves. The only person who's required to be subject in everything to another human being is a slave. 
So he's definitely declaring women to be slaves, and he's declaring men to be God. And he's also generating the false vision that this is the way the Lord is to us, that he is, we're to be subject to him in everything. And this is kind of, this is a slave relationship that we have with, with the Lord. And that's not biblical Christianity of the true Hebrew Bible. That's not gospel of John, which is the true Hebrew Bible. That's not the Lord. That's the devil. The devil enslaves people and demands their subjugation to him because he's a dominator and a controller. And so, but the Lord's, um, everything is by love in the true kingdom. And the Lord calls us friends in John 15, not servants. He specifically states that you are not my servants, you are my friends. So he's saying very clearly that this is not a quote unquote headship and body relationship. This is not subjugation. This is um, a love relationship. And he is God the Son made a man. And so he is, um, he is stating an egalitarian relationship with us of mutual consent and companionship and friendship. So he is God, but he's not doing a power play on us. He's not doing a hierarchical relationship dynamic with us. And what Paul is stating is a hierarchical relationship of domination and control, headship and slavery. So that's the kingdom of darkness. So even the baseline of his allegory of his false Christ is not the true kingdom. God does not have any headship relationship with us of hierarchy and subjugation. We're not slaves. We're the friends of God. We, we're people. God does not erase our boundary lines and our personhood to make us body object slave things. So, so what Paul is stating is the relationship of the Lord to the church is also Roman. And it's a dictatorial relationship dynamic of Caesar with Roman citizens so he's got the Roman point of view, and he's, he's preaching Romanism, and the Romanism dictator and citizen dynamic relationship. So his Christ is the false Christ of Rome, and he's a par- this is a parallel of Caesar with Rome. He's saying it's the same thing with a husband with wife. Well, that was Roman law. That's exactly how Rome worked. As the men of Rome as full Roman citizens, and women had a Roman citizenship, but it was they had no rights, so it wasn't equal to male Roman citizenship. But he's saying, as male Roman citizens, citizens are subject to Caesar, so let wives be subject to their own husbands. Yes, that's how Rome worked. That was paterfamilias, and that's the relationship of Caesar with male Roman citizenship. Um, so Paul is stating Romanism. He's, he's drawing the kingdom of Rome, which is a parallel of the kingdom of darkness. But he's not talking about the Hebrew Messiah Yeshua and born-again Christian faith and the kingdom of heaven of the Lord. He's talking about Rome and the Roman gods. So he's generating Roman Empire systematic theology, and he's pulling it out of his hat. 
He's, he's calling back to Genesis 2, but Genesis 2 comes from Rome. Genesis 2 is a Pandora myth. So basically what Rome did was they established the Genesis 2 false creation and fall myth of Pandora, and then they built upon that more false doctrine. But the truth of the kingdom is in Genesis 1 and the Gospel of John. So the, it, it, it's a straw man argument. He, he's making things up. He's pulling everything out of his hat, and he's just rebuilding the Roman Empire. All he's talking about is the Roman Empire. He's not talking about the Lord. He's not talking about the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about his Gnostic Romanism. He's a false Roman apostle. These letters were written by Greco-Roman philosophers who generated this false ancient Roman state religion for Constantine, his predecessors, and his successors as Caesars. This is Rome here. So this quote-unquote Christ is not the Lord. This is a Roman false Christ and a Roman false religion. And it's the state religion of ancient Rome. What Rome did was they generated these books and then they canonized them. And then they said, okay, this is the new Roman state religion. Well, it's, it's, this, it's the old Roman state religion. This is how Rome was set up with Caesar being the dictator and everyone had to be subject to Caesar. All the men had to be subject to Caesar in everything. And then the men were the paterfamilias heads. And so they were the little Caesars of their own households and their wives. And their wives, their children, and their slaves were their property, just like everyone, every male citizen of Rome was subject to Rome, was subject to Caesar. And Caesar could kill any of them at will. He could take all their property at will. Everything was at the will of Caesar. And so they had no human rights in relation to Caesar. So just like Roman male citizens had no real rights in relation to the absolute unilateral will of Caesar as head of Rome, head of state and church, so too these little Caesar men have full, unilateral, absolute power and authority over their wives, over their children, over their slaves. And that is what Paul preaches. He's preaching the Roman Empire. He's saying, well, this is my Christ. Well, that's his false Roman Christ. This is a made-up gospel for Rome. And Paul is a false Roman apostle, and that's all he's preaching here is Romanism. This is not the word of God. So he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Okay, well, that's just kind of some sugar. That's just empty talk because this Christ never existed. This is a false Christ that Saul Paul has made up. Um, so the Lord did not give himself up to come back as a dictator, and bring us under his dictatorship so that we had no power of autonomous personhood. This is a false Christ. So, you know, people that try to go, oh, well, that sounds good. Well, it's made up. There is no such Christ who came back as Caesar. Okay? And in Paul's theology, his false Roman Christ came to make Caesar the ruler of the world and the dictator of the world in the one world government. So there is no such real Christ 
all Rome did was take the real story of the Hebrew Messiah Yeshua and rewrote it into Romanism and made it their Roman state religion. So there, there never was a Roman Christ. So this is, this is not, this has no historical framework. There is no such thing as a Roman Christ who came to make Caesar God and King, like Paul says. There is no, there is no Roman Christ who came to establish the Roman Empire as the kingdom of God on earth. That's just Romanism. The gods of Rome are the Roman gods. Um, the God and King of Israel is not the God of Rome. They're two different religions. They have different deities. So, you know, Paul saying, hey, a Roman Christ came and he made Caesar God and king and he made men, gods and kings over their wives and households. Lo and behold, it's just like the Roman Empire was. It still is. Um, The true Hebrew Messiah, Yeshua, did not come to establish the Roman Empire. And but Paul's false Christ in a made up story did. And that's what we're reading about in Ephesians 5, how his false Roman Christ came to establish Roman paterfamilias laws so that um, Caesar is the God and king over all Roman male citizens. He has direct relationship with them. And the male Roman citizens are the gods and kings of their households and their wives, children, and slaves answer to them as if those men are God. So that's the pecking order of ancient Rome. And it's slavery, and it's a slave system, and it is the 666B system. Okay, um, then he says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with a washing of water by the word. Well, you know, men can't, in the true Christian faith, nothing cleanses us but the blood of, of the lamb. So we are sanctified in the true Christian faith. Men and women have the same direct personal relationship with with Lord, Men are not the gods of women. They do not sanctify and cleanse their wives as if they are God and Christ to their wives. This is another Roman just made up doctrine where they're trying to make slavery, the slavery of women to men. They're trying to go, oh, but this is good. This is good. You know, before women, you might have resented the Roman gods for making you slaves. But hey, now, hey, now your husband, he's sanctifying you and he's cleansing you from your sin. He's the savior of your body. And you're going to be saved in childbirth. You know, so he's just spinning fables. He's making a mockery of the true gospel by just taking Romanism and trying to apply Um, the truth of the gospel to this false gospel in which all men are God in Christ and they're the gods over their wives. And so he's like, oh, this is so beautiful. Men, you are cleansing and sanctifying your wives with a washing of the water of the word because you're God and you're Christ to your wives. Isn't this beautiful? Isn't this lovely? So this saying that men are going to sanctify and cleanse their wives with a washing of water by the word that's he's just blowing smoke in your face. He's he's making this up. There is no such doctrine in the true word of God that men have any such role in relation to women. In the true born again faith, women have direct personal relationship with God just like woman did in original creation in Genesis 1 when God spoke to male and female at the same time. Man was not the intermediary of woman. Man was not the God in Christ of woman in in original creation in Genesis 1. And Genesis 2 is a made-up Pandora story. 
So Genesis 2 flips the truth upside down, and Paul is continuing to just generate a false gospel here in which men are God in Christ to women. He says that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So Christians are thinking, oh, that sounds good. Well, can a man be the savior of a woman? Can a man cleanse her with the washing of the water of her word? When a woman subjects to a man in everything, is that her salvation? Is that how a woman is saved? By a man being her God in Christ? And when she does whatever he says, oh, that's her sanctification? That's her sanctification? That is not how it works. We are washed in the blood of the Lamb. The Lord gave his message of discipleship in the Gospel of John. He gave it to male and female equally. Love one another as I have loved you. There was no sex differentiation of, okay, men, you are my direct disciples and women are your disciples because you're God in Christ just like me to them. So you and me, men, we're the same. We're the image and glory of God. And then women are the bodies men own as men's bodies. So Saul Paul is making up an entirely false gospel and I hope it's starting to leap at you a little bit here. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Well, do you want to tell me, because we're going back a little bit, do you want to tell me that a man who holds a woman as a sex slave and demands that she's subject to him in everything, and he's saying, I'm God to you, sister. You know, I'm, I'm your God. You're my church. Is that love? Is sex slavery love? Is a man pretending he's God and you're his church? Is this love? No, that's a cult and it's demonic. It's completely evil. That is not love. That is slavery. That is oppression. That is tyranny. That is a false Christ. The man is acting in the role of the Antichrist because this is the Antichrist spirit. Um, An Antichrist is a human being who declares himself to be Christ to others other people. And what Paul is doing is he's putting man in the position of Christ, God in Christ, to a woman. Well, that's the Antichrist. So it's not love, it's hate. This is despite and hatred for women. It's patriarchy and misogyny. And it's a cult, deistic patriarchy, because the man is declaring himself to be God in Christ to a woman. And he's assuming those titles that position, and that role, and that is a prison for a woman. He's cutting her off from personal relationship with the Lord. He's not helping her. He's imprisoning her. He's holding her under his tyranny, bondage, and abuse. Her rights are equal as the daughter of God. They should be standing on equal level ground as the equal children of God, each having their own autonomous boundary lines as equals, and they should be having an egalitarian relationship as the equal children of God. But instead, Paul is creating absolute hierarchy of total dictatorship. And it's fully satanic, and it is the Antichrist. Now, Christians who modify what Paul says because they don't really follow 
him to the letter of this Roman law that he's writing, that doesn't, they're, they're modifying what he says. What he said is what he said. He is this evil. A Christian might say, well, I'm not doing that. Well, okay, you're not doing that, but that doesn't change what Paul said. So Paul said this level evil, and instead of receiving a false apostle, Christians should fully reject him and return to the gospel of John so that they can follow the Lord and walk in the spirit and deliver women from this captivity of bondage to the devil that Paul is springing on all women. This role of submission, it's not of God. That's the role of a slave. Okay, so he says, so now here, here we're getting into it. Um, Ephesians 5.28. So we're going to see the one flesh doctrine start to come out now. So ought men to love wives as their own bodies. Once again, Paul is defining women as things, as body object things that men own as their own bodies. So this is slave doctrine. He already established slavery, sex slavery, and rape as the relationship dynamic. And now he's justifying his rape doctrine, his sex slave doctrine, by defining women not as persons, not as human beings, not as children of God. Nowhere in Ephesians 5, 23 through 33, does Paul ever acknowledge the truth that women are people. He denies that women are people. He confirms Genesis 2 that says women are things. This is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This thing. So Paul is defining women as men's own bodies, as things. Whenever you have slave doctrine that Paul is setting forth here, the slave, the person who is in the slave position is fully dehumanized and fully objectified as a thing. So things can be owned as property. Things can be made slave. But equal human beings cannot be made slaves. So whenever you have slave doctrine, that slave doctrine denies that the slave is a person, a human being, and an equal child of God. So Paul is checking all the boxes of slave doctrine of the devil's kingdom. Right here, once again, just like Genesis 2, he's declaring that women are bodies men own as men's bodies. And remember that saying that if you do not own your own body, you own nothing. You are a slave. And that is Paul's entire message in Ephesians 5 and throughout all of his writings, even as it is in Genesis 2. So you're seeing why these coverture laws were written that made women sex slaves with this one flesh doctrine that stated that women are not people and they have no human personal existence as children of God, as persons, as human beings. Women are just bodies. Men own as men's bodies and they are men's rape victim sex slaves according to coverture laws and according to the one flesh laws 
that were overturned in 1870 and 1920 through different laws like the Women's the Married Women's Property Act of 1870 and the women's right to vote in 1920. Women started getting their rights back by overthrowing these laws. The laws were stated to be written in direct correlation to Genesis 2 and Ephesians 5, and we're seeing how that is true. Ephesians 5 is slave doctrine that defines women as sex slaves. He says, he that loveth his wife loveth himself. So a husband, according to Ephesians 5, is not loving a person. His wife is not a person. His wife is his own body. So when he loves his wife, he loves himself because she's his body. She owns him. So it's a way of justifying extreme narcissism in self-love because a narcissist sees every person not as a distinct human being, but as an extension of themselves. And because a narcissist does not respect the autonomy, the personhood, or the humanity of others, but only sees them as extensions of themselves, this is why a narcissist wants full domination and control over their narcissist's supply. So they never, a a full-blown narcissist will never see another human being as a distinct person, but rather an extension of themselves as a body object thing the narcissist wants to possess as his own body and dominate and control as his own slave. He wants to destroy the soul of his narcissist supply so he can possess, dominate, and control that narcissist supply. So this is narcissistic self-love. This is not any healthy definition of love. This is narcissism and this is Satanism. So when Paul says love, what he means by that is narcissism, slavery, sex slavery, and rape, dehumanization, objectification. And just because Paul says this is love, that, that is not a healthy definition of love, and it assuredly is not the philea love of the Lord. This is narcissism. This is darkness. This is wickedness. This is this is a slave owner um, issuing patriarchal slave doctrine, justifying himself, calling, calling evil good, calling his hatred of a woman love. Because if you define a woman as an object thing you own that has no personhood, that has no rights, that has no bodily autonomy, has no soul of her own, has no spirit of her own. You do not love that woman. You hate her because you hate her as a human being. You have hated her humanity. You have hated her soul. You have sought to destroy her soul, to destroy her humanity, to destroy her personhood so you could own her as your slave. A man who kidnaps a woman and takes her captive as his sex slave and rapes her does not love her. He's abusing her. So Paul is attempting to define this abuse as love. He is a perverted man. He is he is satanic. So when a, when a satanic perverted rapist 
says, this is love, that doesn't mean what he is doing is love. Kidnapping a woman, taking her hostage, holding her as a sex slave, and raping her is not love. He's taken from her all of her power of consent. He's made her a body that he owns as his own body. That is hate. That is not love. So just because Saul Paul says this is love, that doesn't mean it's love. It's hate. We have to objectively analyze this. <clears throat> so he says, and he, he says it again. So men ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. So it's all about the man. It's fully man-centered. It's full-blown narcissism. It's pathological. It's vampirical. For he says, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh. Um, if you have a pinky, you don't hate your own pinky. But if you call a woman your body, you hate her. Okay? Just by calling her a body you own, you hate her. This is satanic hatred of a narcissist because you have not respected her humanity. You have not respected her freedom of will. You have not respected that she's a human being. She's created in the image of God. She has a spirit of her own. She has a soul of her own. She has a mind of her own. She has the right to say no to you. You do not own her. You do not tell her what to do. You respect her. And you, you treat her like an equal human being, and you have an equal partnership marriage. And if not, you hate your wife. You're a hateful man, and you're a rapist. You're operating in a mentality from the devil of narcissism, and it's of the devil, and don't call it love. You know, if you do call it love, you're a narcissist. You're espousing, if you're not a full-blown narcissist, you're operating in the spirit of the devil, in the narcissist spirit. And you need correction, and I'm delivering it. Because women are not going to put up with this evil. This is the devil, and there is no negotiation. There is no compromise. You don't play games with us. Like, well, it's the Bible. It, it, it's, the, it's the satanic Bible. This comes from Rome. And no born-again Christian receives it by the Spirit of God. The only reason a born-again Christian would receive this is if they were deceived and under the bondage and deception of the devil himself, because this is hate. And you're not playing these games. No one's playing these games anymore. The Lord is coming, and he's coming in wrath and fury um, over this hate of women and this bondage, this rape, this sex slavery. And that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what happened with the one flesh laws. And these pastors across America and across the world who are preaching Ephesians 5 are preaching coverture and they're preaching the one flesh law of the sex slavery of women and the rape of women. And I want you to know God is coming for you. If you do not repent, the wrath and fury of God is coming for you for your teaching of sex slavery for your misogyny and for your hatred of women and for your, for your rape and for your abuse. The Lord is coming in wrath and fury to execute vengeance and to set the captives free. And God is going to set the women free from you if you are this level abuser that you preach Ephesians 5 as scripture. So you either repent and you come to the Lord and you become sanctified in the truth by recognizing that this is evil and it is deception, and you come out of it, just like, you know, we grow in the Lord, and we're sanctified in truth, and we, we come out of the deception and the captivity of the devil. So you come out of the brainwashing if you're a true born-again believer, you know, 
that's good. But if you do not know the Lord and you continue um, preaching this, you are of the devil and the Lord is coming in wrath and fury to judge you. God is not going to tolerate his daughters being treated as sacks of meat. And you're not going to patronize us and you're not going to blow smoke and excuse your hatred of women. Um, so, okay, I guess I will continue for, we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. Listen, bud, I'm not, I'm not a body part you own. Okay. You got that? Women are not body parts that men own as, as members of their own body. Saul Paul is preaching communist doctrine of, of a one flesh collective. And this is not the word of God. And this is not the relationship of the true Hebrew Messiah Yeshua with us as born again believers. He loves us as individuals and we have a personal one-on-one relationship with him. He's one person. We're one different person and we have a relationship. I'm not, I'm, I'm not the bodily appendage of the Lord and I'm not the bodily appendage of a man. I am a distinct human being and the true God and creator recognizes human beings as human beings and as his children. He does not call us body parts. We're not blobs of tissue. Okay? So nothing Saul Paul says um, has any merit, and it's all perverted, sick, and demented. So there's no allegory that Saul Paul teaches that is of the Spirit of God. It's wicked. He says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So once again, he's just saying a woman started as a body part. She's a non-person. She's a non-entity. She has a non-identity. She's just a sack of meat, and she has a body, but that's not her body. Her body is her husband's body, and that's all that will ever be because that's marriage is that a woman is a body part. A man owns his own body. And so when he has sex with his wife, he's masturbating because she's his body. And, you know, if a man masturbates using his hand, whether he masturbates using a woman's body, his wife's body, that's his body just as much as his hand. So he's masturbating. He's having sex with himself. He's loving himself. He is just pleasing himself. And Paul is glorifying this. Paul is glorifying sex, slavery, rape, pornography, and a man being fully and completely self-centered so that instead of loving his wife as a human being, as a person, as a child of God, as an equal, and having a personal relationship with her, he's treating her like a body object thing that he owns as his body, as his sex slave, that he rapes at will because she doesn't, just like they said in the one flesh laws, she doesn't have any right of consent. She doesn't have any power of consent. He just uses her body whenever he wants. Like we reviewed, the one flesh laws say in marital rape that make rape the marriage covenant. So this is what Saul Paul is teaching. And then he says, this is a great mystery, but I, I speak concerning Christ and the church. So he's, he's saying, okay, this makes no sense whatsoever to any thinking person. So just accept that it's a mystery that a woman is a, is a blob of tissue that a man owns as his body. Okay, that doesn't make any real logical sense to any thinking person of any ethics or morality. But hey, just call it a mystery 
and and just pretend, you know, it's Christ in the church. And so then just don't even think about the fact that I'm teaching rape <clears throat> because the woman has no power of consent. And we went over in those one flesh coverture laws that they said the moment that a woman was married, she surrendered all power of consent and the husband had sex with her um, over her objections. So even if she protested and said, no, he says, well, I'm going to, you're my body. I own you. And so he raped her. And that was the marriage covenant. And so this, so instead of going, wow, that's evil, Paul wants us to go, he wants us, our eyes to cross and for us to be hypnotized and brainwashed and go, wow, that's a great mystery. It's incomprehensible. A logical person would call it rape, but we'll just call it a great mystery. (laughs) You know, I mean, you have got to be, you got to be a sucker to listen to Paul because he's a false, he's a wolf. And if you let him blow smoke, he's going to do it. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. So it's just about narcissistic self-love that this person, that a wife is not a separate individual. You're not having a personal relationship with a human being. You're using a body as your own body. That is your sex slave. So he's literally teaching rape and sex slavery. And then he says, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So he said that the husband is God. She's the church. And now he's coming straight out and saying it. And hey, wives, while you're being raped, worship that man as God. Worship your rapist as God. So you can't get more perverted than this. It's apostasy. It's blasphemy. And the Lord is coming. Um, my website is theladyvictory.com. Please remember the the, theladyvictory.com. Links are below to my books. God bless you.